Where are we? We're here in Marquette, Michigan, here on mountains, the edge of it. We're here at Wetmore Landing. Very well known for squatches to come down, look around the trees, peer into campsites, throw rocks. Now, we're gonna do a few squatch calls to see if we can get anything come out towards us. If one does come out, it should be pretty interesting. There's something on the hill! Instead of them, him. I tried to call him. <laughs> this thing was 10 foot top. He had beautiful hair. He looked like he had six fingers on each hand. out here and rough talk him and run him off and I said get away from here get get and he went right back out that path again Somebody along the line said that the universe is not only stranger than you think, it's stranger than you can think. Well, there's a statement I use, if you're green you grow, if you're ripe you rot, so I like to stay green until I'm not here anymore. Just keep learning, because that's what it's all about. Hello everybody, welcome to the show. You're listening to Bigfoot in the Citizen Scientist podcast. I'm your host Tyler and I want to thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or story that you would like to share, shoot me an email at sciencemeetsbigfoot at gmail.com on any of the podcast social media platforms. 
on the anchor.fm message button on my podcast page, or you can call into the voicemail line at 641-715-3900, extension 448-449. Please make sure to leave your contact information so I know who and how to contact you back. Okay, so I'm still looking for ideas for a new direction to take this podcast, and I'm still looking for someone to co-host and or edit. So please be sure to rate and review, message me those ideas, and contact me if you're interested in co-hosting or editing. I also wanted to take this time out to apologize to you, the listener, for the last episode mistake slip. I corrected it and uploaded the new fixed updated version, but it seems not every podcatcher is able to keep up. So I've devised a way to ensure a draft system to avoid future mistakes. Okay, moving on. Today, I bring back on Linda Pomeranke, creator of the brand new Michigan Sasquatch Experience Investigation Team. I had her on in Season 2, Episode 3, back when she took part with the Lost Cryptic Conservatory, but due to personal differences, she has branched out and has recently had sightings and encounter reports from the state of Michigan. So we'll bring her on to talk about those. So without any further delay, let's dive into it. This morning, Michigan Monsters. We're starting a special series of reports that take a look at mysterious creatures that could be lurking around Michigan. Creature known as Bigfoot has made a big impression all over the country, including in Michigan. News Channel 3's Aaron Dimmick joins us with more. Aaron. Kirk, when it comes to mysterious creatures, Bigfoot is probably the most famous. There have been reports of them being spotted all over Michigan. I talked to a man who's trying to track them down. Phil Shaw says he'll never forget when he came face to face with a Sasquatch. It happened 10 years ago during a trip through Nova Scotia, Canada. There was a bunch of trees, there was an opening. We saw somebody walking, but it did not have any particular clothes. We looked at each other and said, yeah, we, we saw a Bigfoot. Since then, the man from Northern Michigan has been on a mission to find Bigfoot. There's really no question in my mind that these animals are not only all over the world, they're right in our neighborhood. Phil recently snapped these pictures in the woods near his house in West Branch. They show footprints, tree breaks, and stick structures he says were left behind by a Bigfoot. It's believed these creatures build them for shelter. Quite obvious, they didn't just fall out of the tree, and they're not a hunter blind, there's no place to get under them, and they're not a kid's TP. Oh, there you go. Looking around the internet, you can find plenty of videos and pictures of this anomaly. Stories about these ape-like humanoids date back thousands of years. It's said Native Americans were in close contact with them. The Bigfoot Research Organization tracks sightings all over the country. On this map, you can see Michigan is a hot spot of activity. Recent DNA testing shows them to be almost human. If anything, they might be smarter than us because they have a bigger brain case. The, uh, the average male is probably eight to 10 foot tall. And so if they are almost human, they could hide very well. They don't want to be seen. But they are being heard. Sasquatch hunters have recorded sounds that could be from the creature they're after.
Phil says the truth is out there. And with so many cameras nowadays, it's just a matter of time before a big discovery. I suggest people should have an open mind. I don't think we know it all. I'm 100% convinced they're there. The question is, what are they? Welcome to the show. I have Linda Pomeranke back online. Uh, if you remember, a few, quite a few episodes back, I think it was like four or five episodes back or so, uh, maybe right around there, I had her on when she uh, belonged to a research group and has currently branched out into uh, doing her own thing. So let's uh, get a little bit of information from her and welcome her onto the show. Hello, Linda. Hi, um, my name is Linda Pomerke and I'm with the Michigan Sasquatch Experience. Um, you can find the, that on Facebook and that's the name of my new research group that I started a couple months ago. Um, right now there's about six of us in the group and everybody is sitting on pins and needles right now because we're waiting to get out in the field. It's been cold here at night and people are working and I'm still working full time. But everything's firing up now. We've got um, reports, sighting reports from Southeast Michigan going on. I'm actually getting reports from some of the guys down in Ohio um, oh. are giving me reports that there's action down there. <laughs> wow, okay. So I wish I was actually, no offense, but I wish I was there right now. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but I have to go to work tonight, so I can't go down there right now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, why don't, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your guys's, um, your research, like the research tools you implement, um, some of the information gathering technique tools, all that kind of stuff. If, I mean, if, if, oh, okay. if you're okay with, if you're okay with that. I mean, sure. Um, right now we're into IRs and FLIRs. Um, I have a new guy on my team. He is from, um, the Davison area by Flint, Michigan, and he's our FLIR guy, and he's got the FLIR, and the rest of us right now have IRs, and we've got recorders. We use recorders out in the field. Um, we use trail cams that have night vision. Our biggest thing right now that we've been using of late is we have brand new IR equipment, and we're using uh, handheld IRs. And we recently did a camp out at a cabin in Southeast Michigan. And there was one other team member and myself, the two of us. And we actually um, didn't have to go far afield uh, to find adventure because they pretty much came up to us, we believe, right at the cabin we were staying at. Um, I think I actually have one on IR and it's down crouching in the grass you can see the head and you can see the eyes and it's like in this big tall grass that kind of surrounds the perimeter of uh this cabin we were at and we had been doing i had been doing calls um so we were there a couple days and we got a lot of stuff going on we got calls and we went out in the daytime with our GoPros and did some filming and we found some structures 
not even 50 yards from the cabin, uh, one of the researchers found a structure there. And we kind of, it looked old, like it was a couple years old, but we were kind of wondering maybe if it was, it had been used as um, like a bed or a nursery type situation for a young one. Um, so we also got some very strange uh, activity the one night, uh, right at right after dark. Um, I had been doing some calls, and something came in and it howled. And I want to say it was a pack of coyotes that came in and surrounded us, but I don't. We kind of really don't believe it was coyotes because it didn't sound like coyotes. It, it, the only way I can describe it is it sounded like a coyote and with strep throat. It was just really strange. And there was just the one howl, like the first one howled, and then not even five seconds later, the whole pack joined in. And whatever this was, it, it packed up like right, right by our cabin. And it, they were just like out there. Um, that was kind of freaky that I, I have to admit, um, there was some fear. <laughs> we, we were a little bit afraid because there was only two of us there that night. Um, none of the guys on my team were with us that night. It was just me and uh, one other girl. And that was kind of scary. Um, I still go into the field unarmed. I don't carry a gun. We, we have knives. I shouldn't say we're totally unarmed. We do care. We, we carry knives and stuff on us, but, um, and our cell phones, but I don't, I don't carry a gun on me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still up in the air about guns. I, I believe that a lot of these creatures know what guns are. And if they see a gun, if they see you, a gun on you, I don't, I kind of believe that you're not going to have, um, the interaction that you could have if you didn't have a gun. So, I mean, that kind of goes both ways. I guess, you know, there's good good points, good reasons to have the gun, and there's reasons not to have the gun. Mm -hmm. So, I'm right now I'm up in the air about that. I think uh, probably if we went to the UP um, or the northern part of uh, the Lower Peninsula, um, I might be more apt to carry a gun okay okay what uh what so you guys you guys mainly carry like for when you're so so when when you're out do you guys ever do any like overnight investigation stuff or is it mainly like um uh just like uh checking out a, um if someone has an account you'll go you'll go check it out or uh tell, um, yeah, tell us about we, that yep we do both um we, we like to scope an area out in the daytime first, and then we like to go back in that area at night. If we go in in the daytime and we find any anything that looks like evidence, tracks, um, structures, um, or if we had got a report from somebody, uh, we like to go in in the daytime first and check it out, and then we like to go back at night, and we like to go in there at night with our IRs and our recorders and that kind of stuff. Uh, recently... Uh, actually, right when I started this new team, um, I want to say maybe a month and a half ago, two months ago, right right after I started this team, I got a report from a woman in central Michigan, and she had a roadside crossing. She saw one cross the road 
uh, what she believes was a Bigfoot. Um, the description she gave, uh, it was pretty good. She had it in her headlights, in her bright lights. She was going home from work one night, and it happened about, she said between 9.30 and 9.45 p.m., and she turned onto this highway, and she saw something in the road, so she put her brights on and had to step on her brakes, and it was right in the middle of the road. And she said she got a really good uh, profile view of this thing, and it took off and jumped a fence and went over a fence and into the woods on the other side of the road. And she described it as being well over six feet tall. It was bipedal. It had long hair over its whole body. It had the long arms that were, were really long. It looked like the arms were like, you know, down to its knees, its hands. Mm -hmm. uh, she said she knew it wasn't a person, but she was in shock. She was very frightened. She had to call her boyfriend and he had to talk to her on, the, on her phone the rest of the way home after that happened because she was so scared. Um, and it was just like a couple days after this happened that she that I got the report about this, maybe two days, three days, um, somewhere in that area. And we, three of us, of my team, two team members and myself, um, we went over to check out the siding area where this happened. We could not meet her. She was not able to meet us that day. This was in the daytime. And right away, uh, one of my team members uh, found tracks. And you could see where it left the roadway and went into the ditch and right before it jumped a fence. Well, the other side of the fence is on either side of this highway is kind of private property. So we weren't going to climb over the fence in the daytime. And the traffic, traffic was really bad on this highway. And there's a lot of semi-trucks. Um, so the tracks that we found were, um, there was still snow on the ground back, back at that time. Mm -hmm. And the track was just, you know, it had been, I guess it had been too, I want to say it had been, been too many days. Um, we did attempt to cast the track, but it did not come out. It was just way too wet. It was a bad day. It was really wet out. Um, so later on, one of my team members had to leave about six o'clock at night. And so two of us stayed in the area and we decided to do an investigation um, at a nearby site where it, a wooded site where there were woods. And this was close to a river. And we did that and we went out and did an investigation and we, we had an IR on us and we heard some really strange noises like owl like noises, but Kind of like a barred owl, but not really like a barred owl. Mm. But we didn't get anything on our IR or anything like that when we were out in the woods. But what we did get was um, we both got very sick to our stomachs, like we wanted to throw up. Um, there was no other people out there in these woods at the time. And we decided to leave and go back to the scene of the crossing again. And... When we went back to the scene of the crossing again, we actually stopped and got out and looked around some more. And my team member, Lori, who also is my cousin, 
Lori found a set of tracks, another set of tracks, and I found another set of tracks. So all in all, we found three separate sets of tracks at this highway where this crossing happened in, the, in this area. Um, and once again, I pulled over and these tracks were good tracks. I don't know if you saw them or not. I watermarked them. The, those tracks, I wanted to cast yeah. those tracks. And I tried to get out. We tried to get out and cast them. And I almost got ran over <laughs> by a semi-truck. So I had, to, I had to call it. I pulled Lori and me out of there. I told Lori, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth one of us getting ran over. Um, and these people were zipping up and down this highway and these big trucks. And they weren't even slowing down or anything. Um, so we just... You know, we got lots of pictures and took measurements, and then we ended up getting out of there. We prob When we left, it was probably, I want to say, midnight. Um, I do have her written report. Um, she was supposed to email me a report, but I already do have her written report. Um, I'm not going to say what county it was in at this time, because um, we did make the area that is like our one of our areas now. And we ended up going back and to try to do some camping um, on some nearby property that was wooded. And we found more um, impressions in the woods. But the woods right now, um, it's all like covered with leaves and pine needles. Uh, no dirt, no sand, no mud. So all you could really see was kind of like impressions. And we just found a ton, I mean a ton of structures, uh, TPs, asterisks, um, that kind of thing. But also there were some people in the woods um, that were using the trails at the time for uh, four-wheeling and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there were some guys out there too, a crew of guys also out there were working. And they actually were doing some tree cutting and cutting trees down. Well, this team member and I, there were two of us at that time when this happened. Um, we both, what we think, we both got zapped. We think we got zapped again because her and I both started getting sick again like we wanted to throw up. Um, when the rest of my team joined me, uh, minus the one from Davison, he wasn't there. But when the rest of the team joined us later, we all decided to try to do a camp out there. And we put trail cams up and that kind of thing. And I got a trail cam I put up, and there was something on the trail cam. But whatever this thing was, it came out of the scrub, and it stayed just, like, just out of the night vision of this trail camera. It was just, like, on the, just, just on the perimeter. So I, it, it had to have seen the camera. I knew the camera was, was there, I'm thinking, because it was, all you can kind of see is you can see a shape of something, but you can't really tell what it is. Um, and there was no people, at that time, there was no people out there. There was no other people camping um, or riding around on motorcycles, you know, or anything like that. But we ended up, it got so bad back there and it was so muddy. We couldn't get our cars back there anymore. I have all wheel drive and I couldn't even get back there anymore. Even the guys with the four wheel drive trucks, um, it was just the trails were too bad. Um, you would have to go in there at that time. We would have had to go in and try to drag everything in there on foot. And not only that, we, we kept getting zapped and getting sick. And I think that um, 
my hypothesis is what's going on there is because of the tree cutting, I think um, the area probably, I think it might be inhabited by a clan or maybe one Bigfoot or they're passing back and forth through there. And I kind of feel like they might be upset about the tree cutting going on. And we did stop and talk to the guys that were cutting the trees down. And they had a complaint that somebody bashed into their one of their trucks. And it happened to be the truck where they said they kept a lot of uh, tools at. Um, they did call the police and they made a report and everything. And they said a lot of their tools were stolen. And they thought that whatever it was, it looked like maybe it used a crowbar or something. But I guess there were dents in the truck and just made a mess out of this, you know, their truck. Well, of course, they wanted to talk to us about it because they knew we had been back there. And we didn't, I mean, I didn't have any answers for them at that point. You know, there had been, during the daytime, there had been people going back and forth. Well, what was, what happened is these guys were back there cutting trees down and they left their uh, equipment and stuff at the scene where they were cutting the trees down. And then they would leave at night and come back in the morning. Um, But I, I really think that, um, the Bigfoot, if there is a Bigfoot out there, or like I said, if they're passing through, I think they're upset. Um, I've gotten so many reports, you know, through Wes Germer's podcast and all these different eyewitness reports. Uh, even guys that work in the logging industry, um, they do not. They don't like logging. They don't like loggers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody's seen the famous video now where the it looks like one comes out and actually picks a tree up and throws it. And that's a crew of loggers out there that took that um, video. I don't know where that was at. I think it was in the Pacific Northwest, maybe, or Canada. Do you know what video I'm talking about? I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, it actually looks like one comes out of the tree line and picks a whole entire um, tree and actually lifts it up and, like, chucks this tree like a javelin. Um, A person could not do that. A person could not pick. No. Entire ginormous tree up no. and grow it. I don't know how many yards. Um, well, the video is around. If anybody wants to look for the video, I'm sure they'll find it. It's on YouTube on somebody's channel. But yeah, they don't like logging. I don't believe they like logging. They don't like loggers. So I guess if you're in the logging industry, you better watch your back if you're out there cutting trees down. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So that's what happened in that area, and we still plan on going back to that area, but we're hoping when we get back, it dries up in there, and we're hoping that the um, those guys are gone, um, yeah. because we don't want to be mistaken for loggers or people cutting trees down. Right. Um, because we were sick. We were sick to our stomachs, and so it just got to the point where we decided, well, we'll just go somewhere else. So we did. So we left that area, and that's when we we decided, two of us decided to go down to southeast Michigan for the weekend for a couple days, and we had all that go on at that cabin with what, you know, I don't know what, we didn't get any visual, very pitch black. Uh, The perimeter of the yard around this cabin was um, 
just like pitch black. Even with the IRs, um, it was really hard to see uh, what it was out there making these howls. But whatever it was, it packed up, and then they took off. Mm. Thankfully, they took off away from us. Um, but um, so yeah, so we. I, I've never seen a dog man. I've never seen a werewolf or a dog man. I, I know people that have seen um, this thing, mm-hmm. that cryptid, and I've gotten descriptions of, of it from people that have um, claimed to see see these things. And that's kind of like what we were wondering if that's what that was that packed up around the, the cabin and took off. Um, that was... That was the one night, and then the then the next night is when I we got the IR hit. I got the IR hit with the the thing in the grass, and its head was, you could tell this wasn't like a dog or a coyote or anything. I mean, it had the great big round eyes, wide set round eyes. You could see a head, and the rest of its body I couldn't see it because it was down in this grass. Mm. Well. <clears throat> I guess that's what I get because I I was trying to call him in. Uh, we were both had been making calls, and at twilight, um, before that happened at twilight, I went to um, the outhouse, which is probably uh, I don't know twenty or thirty yards behind this cabin, maybe. And there's woods that come right up behind the outhouse and I was in the outhouse and something walked right up behind the outhouse was standing behind it. Whatever it was is bipedal. You could hear it walking up there. Didn't make a sound. I mean, you could hear it coming through the woods, but it didn't like, you know, make any noises and (laughs) being the big brave researcher that I am. (laughs) um, I came flying out of the outhouse and ran back to the cabin and I said, there won't be any more trips tonight to the outhouse (laughs) i'm not alone anyway (laughs) yeah because like i said um we had planned on there was supposed to be like four or five of us there that night um one of the guys from one of my friends from ohio he's not on my team um he was supposed to be a guest um bob limley from ohio he bob was supposed to show up well bob couldn't show up because his cardiologist um, got wind of what he was up to and put a stop to that. He had just mm. had uh, bypass surgery um, on his heart, and his cardiologist told him, nope, you're not going out in the woods and doing that yet. So he wasn't allowed to come up. One of the other guys had to work that night, and he was going to come back out after work. This was my birthday weekend, too, so we were kind of celebrating my birthday. And that was uh, Gabe Heiss from Hamtramck. And Gabe had to work, and he made it out there before work, but after work, he was not able to come back out. And then one of my new team members, um, his name is Jeff Treadway, and he's from um, Gregory, Michigan, which is southeast Michigan. It's kind of down that way. Um, he was he came out for a while, but he didn't have anybody to watch his dog, so he ended up, he had to leave. Um, he had to leave and go home before dark. So the people that we thought were going to be there weren't there. So it just ended up being two of us girls there alone, which I think kind of sometimes that's a good thing. I think that it just seems like when us girls are alone, we get more um, activity, <laughs> more action. 
Which but I, you never know what you're going to get. So you don't know if it's action that you want or not. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I was just listening to a podcast that I just found out about. Um, it, it It's only like 10 episodes long. Uh, Bigfoot North with Todd Standing and Dr. Jeff Meldrum. Mm-hmm. And they were just talking about, uh, and in one of the episodes I was listening to today at work, they were just talking about the correlation between females and Sasquatch. And, uh, okay. uh, you know, uh, Diane Fossey and Jane Goodall did their studies and um, came up with the hypothesis, well, uh, and it proved it, that uh, the ape species connects in a whole, on a whole other level with, with females. Um, okay. And so, uh, uh, you know, there's just like uh, a, a lot of the female um, Sasquatch researchers out there um, claim to have some of the craziest encounters. Craziest. Yeah. Um, uh, my so. cousin Lori, who's on my team, she's been uh, listening to a lot of dog man stuff. Mm-hmm. And she says there's a correlation with this cryptid uh, people describe as a dog man. Uh, or a werewolf. She said there's a correlation between them also and women being alone. That she's um, she's kind of obsessed with the the dog man thing and the werewolf thing because she actually um, she's had nightmares for probably I want to say over probably over forty years. She's had um, nightmares about werewolves. Weird. Um, don't know why. Um, don't not really sure. He has these reoccurring uh, dreams about Dogman or Werewolf. but um, So she's fascinated with them, but at the same time, it scares her. And she's told me she doesn't want anything to do um, with this Dogman business when we're out in the field. And I I told her, you don't always get what you ask for. When you're out in the field, whatever happens, happens, you know. Right. I know one of those things where you're rolling the dice and you don't know, you might not get anything or you might get something you don't want yep. or you don't want to deal with. Yep. <laughs> but that's what we, why we're out there. That's but right. she's kind of new. She's new on the team. Her and her fiance, Bill, are both on, on my team. Okay. Um, and Bill does have a gun. So when Bill's out in the woods with us, he does carry a sidearm. That's what I was going to, so, I was going to ask. So you personally don't carry a, a firearm, but someone in the group does at some point. Um, yeah, Jeff, Jeff has Jeff carries and Bill both carry. They both carry. They both have guns and they carry guns. Okay. Uh, not normally. I don't think again the daytime. Well, Bill does. Bill's always got his gun on him no matter what. But probably not so much in the daytime. But definitely when we go out at night, um, somebody probably will be armed. I'm. Uh, Right now, it's one of these things where uh, Linda wants to go out as usual uh, when somebody else can't go, and I'm not the kind to want to sit home. Uh, and if I go out, I might just have to go out by myself. Nobody likes that. Nobody wants me to do that. Got me in trouble with my um, other research team that I was with because I wouldn't uh, mind orders. <laughs> I wouldn't do what I was told, so I can't be controlled. But, you know, it's, oh, that's, what we, that's why we're out there. Right, morale. That's that's the whole point of going out yeah. there is to to get something on thermal, yeah. IR, yeah. whatever you know, get whatever you can get. So anything to aid, um, anything to aid to the discovery. Right, right. Anything. Everybody's waiting for that great picture, that nice clear photograph. You know, you know of the of some 
I, I do know what you're saying, and I am on 100 percent um, of the ideology that there are over ten dozen handfuls of legitimized Sasquatch photos that mm-hmm. no nobody n- nobody's gonna even you or I are gonna look at it and be like, eh. you know, because yeah. I mean, because it's we're not there to experience it. So that's right. why, that's why I really feel like like what you guys are the angle you guys are taking the thermal imaging and and then uh, the you know of course with with thermal in- imaging and and videos and pictures um, uh, the background of the scenario is must be included otherwise it's you know right but uh, yeah where, where did it come from and how did it come yes, to be yes type of thing yes because right. because a yep. uh, picture posted of two two footprints in the in, let's say for example in the snow it is going to have a whole different context behind it versus uh, a picture of a footprint in the snow with a whole ground and everything and the, the right. climate and the tree structures around not the tree structures but the structure right. of the trees and the way the the sun hits and there's there's just so much to it so much yeah, to it yeah there so. is yeah, I put like like I put I shared some of those track pictures online, but I didn't put the story online behind them because the investigation was still going, and we did, like I said we did decide to make that an area of investigation, and we know we believe that they're in the area or they've been in the area. We believe that that even if they're not in the area at the time, we believe they will come back to that wooded area that's nearby where that sighting happened. Um, we believe that they will be back and we want to be back in there. We want to be waiting for them and we don't want 500 people in there, you know, in in those areas. That's kind of like why I I showed the photographs, but I didn't really tell the whole, you know, the whole story. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't really tell anybody like what County it was in. Um, it's in Michigan. So, but eventually I will. And Val Savala who takes uh, Bigfoot sighting reports. Yes. Yeah. And I did tell Val a little bit about it. And I told Val when I, when we're finished with this uh, woman's report and everything's done, that I will give him the report so he can add it to his um, report collection there uh, for Michigan Bigfoot sightings. Okay. I think his work is important, what he's doing. Um, yeah. So I did tell him that I would let him, you know, give it to him. So. Okay. Yeah. So yep. so let's um let's wrap this up. Uh, let's okay. let's end it with um let's go ahead and give the listeners direction on where to find the Michigan Sasquatch experience, the social media stuff. If you guys have any of that yet okay. or, or any of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, well, right now all I have is my Facebook and there is a post on the Facebook up in the announcements where you can find my name and my phone number. Anybody that has a sighting report that wants to talk or report anything. Um, that's up there. Also, we have the West Branch, Michigan, uh, Bigfoot conference coming up on May 15th. And that's in West Branch, Michigan at the Irons Park. Mm-hmm. And I will be there. Hopefully my team will be there with me. Um, and that's Phil Shaw's group that puts that out every year. Um, that's a big conference. It's going to be outside. So, um, th- I believe they have a pavilion. We're going to have it like under the pavilion, but, so if anybody is afraid of COVID or whatever, you probably don't have much to worry about there if you're sitting out on the grass. Um, so you can find tickets to that online. Um, there's, well, if you go to Michigan Sasquatch Experience on Facebook, 
there's all kinds of conferences going on. Um, you can find the, the links at my site. There's uh, the Michigan Bigfoot Conference um, that's coming up in um, July. I believe it's down in Ann Arbor. Um, that's being put on by the Lost Cryptids Conservatory. You can find links on the posters for that. Um, so if anybody likes conferences, <laughs> we've got conferences back again. We're so happy because, you know, the COVID thing shut everything down last year. Yeah. Um, so the conferences are coming back. Hopefully the governor of Michigan does it like at the last minute, you know, put a stop order again on everything. We're, we're hoping that doesn't happen. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to, like to uh, relate to the listener? Um, nope. Um, if anybody wants to, anybody that, like I said, anybody that wants to give me a report, um, or if you just need somebody to talk to, because maybe you saw something, but people are telling you you're crazy. You don't, you don't even have to give me your name. Uh, your name doesn't have to be used in the report. Um, you know, if you want confidentiality that you, you know, um, I have another report from actually up in Northern Lower Peninsula right now from a woman with her, um, her and her husband had rocks thrown at their tent. Um, they found tracks. She sent me pictures of the tracks. The tracks were in the snow. This was in the wintertime. The stride, for the pictures, the stride and everything looks right. I mean, she was, she's not a big footer, um, but she had the presence of mind to lay something down by the track for scale. Nice. And show the strides and everything like that. And, we have not, we plan on trying to go up into that area this summer um, because it sounds like a, uh, it could be an ongoing active area. But she preferred that I did not use her name, uh, you know, to the public or anything, which is fine. So confidentiality, if somebody wants it, yes. they can have it. Yes. So. Yes, I am a, as, as all my listeners know, and I always, every single interview, I harp it in. I, an anonymity is very important to to me and to this podcast. If it wasn't for anonymity, then we w- a lot of these Sasquatch experiences wouldn't be out there. Um, right. It's, you know, uh, where I live in Pacific Northwest, Oregon, um, it's common occurrence. I mean, I can go down the street in the downtown Portland and go up to some random person and carry a full-length conversation, whether they believe in it or not, about Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. The same can't be said in in every other state. A lot of times you'll get stared out or anything. So Mm -hmm. it's uh, very fortunate. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's very important to uh, keep locations um, secret, I guess is the lack of a better term, uh, uh, for that reason alone. Because if people aren't being you know trustworthy then why would why would why would they confide in us so right you know so well linda i want to thank you again for coming on it's been a pleasure and i uh here in the next few months we'll look to have you back on and hopefully get some more new sighting encounters coming on i hope i hope i have something exciting to tell you the next time tyler absolutely and thank you just cooking up in michigan right now i mean the weather's turning so um i think things are getting hot or about to get hot here in the next month or two okay and uh i wanted to thank you for coming on it means a lot i want to thank you for taking the time and sorry about all the technical difficulties earlier that was 
over, overly obnoxious. So <laughs> thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon, Linda. That's all I got for you today. I wanted to thank Linda for coming on again. For a new research team, they sure have had quite a few what seems to be incredible witness reports come in, so I'm very excited to have her come back on in the future and hear about new sightings and encounters. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate, review, and share the show. Share it to social media, share it with your local skeptic. I don't care how you share it, just spread the word. A broader reach means a broader array of content, which in turn means new and exciting material for you, the listener. So please be sure to share this podcast around if you enjoy it. Well, before I let you go, I wanted to remind you to always love yourself, to always love each other, always be kind, always be safe, and like always, until next time.